Good morning, everyone. Today we will be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. I will read verses 1 to 13. Please join me in reading verse 14 aloud. Um, that's the verse Pastor Joe encouraged us to memorize in the third Advent sermon. Before we read, let us pray. Father God, thank you for demonstrating your love to us by sending your son Jesus on this day. Please help us to listen attentively so that we can live to glorify your name. Amen. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph, was also, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, but there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. From Luke 2, uh, verses 21 to 35. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you, have now, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, God Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, 
and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of the Lord. Right. A very good morning to all of you on this Christmas morning. Uh, the Lord be with you. Now, Maylene and I wish all of you a blessed Christmas. Now, if you are visiting us for the first time, or if this is your first time with us in this venue, uh, let me add a word of warm welcome to all of you. Now, we are glad that you uh, have come to join in the celebration of the birth of our Savior, the Savior of the world. We all know that 2020 has been a tough year for everyone. The pandemic may have taken a toll on your livelihood. Uh, it may have taken a toll on your physical health or mental health. And you may feel that you have been battered by a severe storm. And you are weary, you are burdened, um, and you are uncertain of what lies ahead in a new year. Now, if this is your experience, I want to encourage you to all the more hold fast to the good news of Christmas. You see, Christmas is good news because God has made good His promise to all mankind. His promise to you and to me has been made good. And this was the promise that Mary sang about in her song, which we learned on the third Advent Sunday. And you may remember that Mary sang about the covenantal goodness of God, that God had promised to be merciful to the people who would put their trust in Him. So what Mary sang about is now picked up by Simeon in the second reading of Luke chapter 2. And in this passage that was read for us, Simeon sings that God's mercy has indeed come in the person of Mary's firstborn son, Jesus. Now Simeon tells us that God can be trusted. God's word is always faithful. God's word is always true. And God is always good because He always keeps His promises. And on the first Christmas, God kept His promise of salvation for all mankind. Now, Christmas therefore has three implications for all of us, according to Simeon. And the first is this, because of Christmas, because of Christmas, we can look forward to a heavenly rest. And the second implication is, Christmas means that each one of us must choose either to believe in Jesus or to reject Jesus. <clears throat> there can be no neutrality in our opinion of Jesus. And the third implication, Christmas shows us the amazing and wonderful love of God 
and God's everlasting love is extended to you and to me in the gift of His Son, Jesus. So let us look more closely at these three implications of Christmas. Luke tells us in verse 21 of chapter 2 that after their baby boy was born, Joseph and Mary had him circumcised on the eighth day as required by the Jewish law. And uh, and Joseph and Mary named their baby Jesus, the name the angel Gabriel gave. And then on the 40th day, again as required by the Jewish law, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem for two purposes. One is for Mary to observe the law of purification after childbirth. And the second purpose is to consecrate baby Jesus to God. And for these two purposes, Joseph and Mary offered two pigeons as their sacrifice. Now, a lamb is the usual sacrifice for such an occasion, but for those who are unable to afford a lamb, two pigeons are permitted as a substitute. Now, as soon as the ceremony is over, a stranger approaches Joseph and Mary. And we are told that the stranger's name is Simeon. Now, Luke does not tell us everything about Simeon, only that he is a righteous man, and he is a man of great devotion. And God has given Simeon a vision, a special revelation, that he would not die until he has seen with his own eyes the consolation of Israel. Now, what is the consolation of Israel? So this is an Old Testament reference to the promised Messiah. You see, the people of the Old Testament Israel know that the Babylonian uh, exile and the subsequent oppression and occupation by foreign powers, and the latest being Rome. This foreign occupation is because of their sins and their unfaithfulness to God. But even though Israel has been unfaithful, God is still faithful to Israel. And God has promised that at a future time, He will send the Messiah to deliver Israel from her oppression. Not the oppression by foreign power, but the oppression by sin. And the Messiah is therefore called the consolation of Israel because he will deliver God's people from their sins. So you can imagine Simeon being a devout uh, a Jew, he would turn up at the temple every day, day after day, hoping to see the Messiah. Now we do not know how long Simeon has been going to the temple, but without success. But one day, moved by the Holy Spirit, he goes again to the temple at exactly the same time that Joseph and Mary 
are there with baby Jesus. And Simeon approaches Joseph and Mary, and he takes the baby in his arms, and he looks in adoration at Jesus. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Simeon begins praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Well, Simeon is in fact saying, I have seen the face of my Savior. He is not the only he is not only the savior of the Jews, but he is the savior of the whole world. And my eyes have seen his face, and that is enough for me. Now, Lord, please take me home. Let me die, and I am ready to die. Now you may think that Simeon is a bit morbid. Why does he say he is ready to die? Well, we can explain it this way. Now, imagine you are a watchman of a city, and you have been assigned the duty, the special duty of announcing the arrival of a very special, a very important guest, a very important person. And you are on your post every day, and then one day, when the VIP finally arrives, you know that your duty is done, and you can now leave your post. And so, in the same way, Simeon, who is probably a long-serving prophet, he has been assigned. A final duty, a final assignment, and that is to announce in the temple the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah. And now that he has finally seen Jesus, Simeon knows that his task is complete, and being advanced in age. He is ready to die, and like every Old Testament prophet and every Old Testament saint, Simeon is longing to go home, to his true home with God, and he is looking forward to his rest in the heavenly city of God. And so we too, today, can look forward. To our rest in the heavenly city of God, when our work on earth is done. You see, because of Christmas, our work on earth will not be meaningless. Our work on earth will not be in vain. We will work to serve our neighbors. We will work to love our neighbor, and we will work. To declare God's salvation in Christ Jesus, and when our work is done, when we have finished the task God has given 
us on this earth to do, we will not be afraid of retirement. We will not be afraid of getting old. We will not fear death. Because of Christmas, we can look forward to going home, to going home, to our eternal rest and to our inheritance in the heavenly city of God where we will be with Jesus and we will be with God and enjoy His presence forever. And this is something that must fill our longing, our heart with that longing, longing for our heavenly home. So this is the first implication of Christmas for us, for those who love God and trust in Jesus, a heavenly rest awaits us. Now when Joseph and Mary heard Simeon's song, they were astonished at what was said about Jesus. And then Simeon turns his attention to them and he pronounces a blessing on the new parents. And after that, he says something very specific to Mary in verses 34 and 35. Let's look at 34 and 35. Now this child, Simeon says, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. Well, Mary must be finding it confused with that uh, pronouncement. So what, what is Simon saying? Now Simon is actually giving a prophecy to Mary. A prophecy about the future ministry of Jesus. And although Jesus is only a baby now, he will grow up. He will grow up to be a man to be reckoned with. Jesus will become a man no one can ignore. Why? Because Jesus will divide people into two categories. You are either for Jesus or you are against Jesus. And there is no middle ground. Look at verse 34. Simeon tells Mary that Jesus <clears throat> will cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Now, falling and rising refer to judgment and salvation. And during his ministry in Israel, there were Jews who believed that Jesus was who his he claimed to be the Messiah. And Jesus told them that they would be saved. They would be saved from their sins and they would rise to eternal life. But there were also others, like the Pharisees, who accused Jesus of being a deceiver and they accused Jesus of being a blasphemer because he claims to be God. And so, to those who would not believe in him, Jesus told them that they will fall into judgment. 
they would die in their sins. Now today, who we think Jesus is continues to cause the falling and the rising of all people. You see, Jesus will, will cause every person, every man, every woman, either to be condemned or to be redeemed, either to be punished for their sins or to be forgiven of their sins. Now, our destiny in heaven or in hell does not depend on how good or how bad we are. And it does not depend on whether we are a success in life or a failure. And it does not depend on how rich or how poor you are. No, our destiny in heaven or in hell depends on whether we put our trust in Jesus or whether or we don't. You see, as scripture says, we are saved not by our works, but by grace through faith in Jesus. Our faith in Jesus, our belief in Jesus for who he claims to be, that determines our destiny. So everyone has to choose. We cannot remain neutral. If we choose to believe in Jesus, Jesus will lead us into eternal life. If we choose not to believe in Jesus, we will die in our sins. So friends, have, how have you chosen? How, how, what do you think of Jesus' claim? Well, I pray that all of us will put our trust in Jesus. Now, if we choose to put our trust in Jesus, Simeon has a warning for us. Look again at verses 34 and 35. Now, Simeon says that Jesus will be a sign um, that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. What is Simeon saying here? Well, in the original Greek, the word translated um, as spoken against uh, has the idea of a contest. A contest. So, so what Simeon is saying is, Jesus will be a sign of a contest in your heart and my heart. And so, if, if you to put it in another way, Simeon is saying that for all who believe in Jesus, there will be a contest within our hearts. A contest to put self first or to put Jesus first in our lives. And the outcome of this contest will be obvious to people. So, we who confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Savior, how faithful is our heart in following Jesus? Is Jesus truly our Lord? Do we put Jesus first in our lives? 
or is something else first? Perhaps it is our selfish ambition, or our spouse, or our children, or our money. You see, all these good things can be the idols of our hearts. And these idols will prevent Jesus from taking first place in our lives. But Jesus says that we cannot have it both ways. We cannot serve God and we cannot serve mammon at the same time. We got to choose. If we put mammon first, we will have a superficial religion. We may appear to be pious. We may, be, uh, we may appear to be good on the outside. But on the inside, we are selfish, we are greedy, and we are empty. But if you put God first, you will grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You will become more and more like Christ. You will grow in humility. You will grow in generosity. You will grow to love your neighbor as yourself. And you will serve them. And you will grow in holiness, fighting sin, and pleasing God in all that you do. So let us ask ourselves this morning, we who call ourselves Christian, is there a contest within your heart today? There must be, because Jesus is always trying to displace all the resident idols in your heart. Jesus is trying to displace all the resident idols within our heart. He wants to take first place in our life. So will you let Jesus be Lord and rule your heart? Oh, so this is what Christmas must mean to all of us. Christmas means that we cannot be neutral about Jesus. We have to choose. And if we choose to put our trust in Jesus, we must put Jesus first in our lives as well. So the question is, why should we want to put Jesus first in our lives? Well, the answer is, it is because Jesus is God's greatest love gift of himself to us. Jesus is God's greatest love gift of himself to us. So therefore, Jesus deserves to be first in our heart. So look again at verse 35. And this is a very strange prophecy to give to Mary. So Simeon tells Mary that a sword will pierce her own soul. Now we know that this is, of course, a figure of speech. And what Simeon means is that Jesus will bring extreme emotional pain to Mary. And we know the, the gospel tells us that at the end of his ministry, Jesus was arrested by those who had accused him uh, as a blasphemer. And they crucified him. And Mary was devastated. She was totally heartbroken. And when she saw a Roman soldier 
pierced Jesus' side with a spear. She must have felt like a sword had just pierced her own soul. And so Simeon's prophecy was fulfilled. But Simeon's prophecy was an echo of a much earlier prophecy in the Old Testament. About 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah spoke of a day when God would crush his Messiah. And this is how Isaiah puts it in his book in the Old Testament, in chapter 53, verse 10. And I read, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. The Lord makes his life an offering for sin. Now, we may find it hard to understand this. Why would God crush his promised Messiah? Why would God subject Jesus, his beloved son, to die on the cross as a sin offering for us? Well, the New Testament gives us the answer. It is because God loves us. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16, we have these words, and many of you will be familiar with this verse. And it's a good verse to memorize again. So, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Friends, if you ever doubt God's love, and they may, you, and you may have reasons to doubt, doubt God's love during this unprecedented difficult year. So if you are unsure that God really loves you, Christmas proves that He does. You see, the purpose of Christmas finds its fulfillment in the cross. And so the story of Christmas will take us to the cross where we see Mary's grief when a sword pierced her soul. But Mary's grief is God's love in action. And this is what the Apostle Paul says of Jesus' death on the cross in his letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God's love is so great. God's love is so sacrificial. God's love is so powerful that he is willing to subject his only son to the cruel suffering on the cross. Why? So that your sins and my sins will be forgiven. So that we will not fall into judgment, but rise to eternity. So that you and I may have new life and live. So friends, do not spurn God's love. The gift of His Son on the first Christmas is a personal gift to each one of us. 
and we have to respond. We cannot stay neutral. Do not reject the gift, but believe in Jesus and put him first in your life. And then, like Simeon, you will be able to say, My eyes have seen God's salvation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Sovereign Lord, we thank you for your everlasting love, which has sustained us and consoled us through this difficult year. We thank you that at Christmas, you have given us our Saviour, Jesus, that only you can provide for us. And we thank you that you have given us the salvation that is accomplished by your Son's obedience to death on the cross. Grant us the desire to put Jesus first in our lives. And may our lives grow to be more and more Christ-like. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.